I'll pray for you. Lord, we thank you for Rod and his, uh, the gift that he is to us um, and all that you've blessed him with. We just pray as he serves us now by opening up the word that you would be with him, helping and strengthening him. Um, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Golly, uh, there's a lot of illness around. <laughs> and just remember to pray for those that are not here, and quite, quite a number are unwell. Um, and you had a, a, a worship leader who's had a bit of a thin voice this <laughs> because of laryngitis, and you've got a preacher who's got a little bit of a thin voice. <laughs> We're, we've been a lovely pair today. <laughs> It's great to great to see you all. Um, a few weeks ago, I was down to preach on Sarah, and uh, got the dreaded COVID. So um, I wasn't here, and uh, Nigel, who's who's not well, uh, um, he's not here today. Nigel just just took over with very little notice, and that was. That was great. So I, I am going to backtrack to Sarah. So we're out of chronological order, but I don't think that matters really. Uh, and we'll look at the story of Sarah and what it says about her in Hebrews chapter 11. Well, let's see how we go then. story of Sarah is in two parts. Um, in Genesis, Genesis 18. Now, just to lead into this, Abraham and Sarah were visited by three strangers. And as the story unfolds, we realize that one actually is the Lord, and two are angelic beings with him. I mean, it's a bit, you know, uh, strange in that way. They didn't realize that but the, at first, but these three visitors came to Abraham, and Abraham gave them typical Middle Eastern hospitality, and then this happened. Where is your wife Sarah? The three visited asked him, that's Abraham. There in the tent, he said. And then one of them said, I will surely return to you about this time next year. And Sarah, your wife, will have a son. Now, Sarah was listening at the entrance to the tent, which was behind him. Abraham and Sarah were already very old. Know how that feels. (laughs) And Sarah was past the age of childbearing. So Sarah laughed to herself and thought, as she thought, after I'm worn out and my Lord is old, will I now have this pleasure? Then the Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh and say, will I really have a child now that I'm old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? I will return to you at the appointed time next year and Sarah will have a son. Sarah was afraid. So she lied and said, I did not laugh 
But he said, yes, you did laugh. And then this, the tale goes on about <coughs> Sodom and Gomorrah and there's an incident with Abimelech. And so we then get to Genesis chapter 21. Now, the Lord was gracious to Sarah as he'd said. And the Lord did for Sarah what he had promised. Sarah became pregnant and bore a son to Abraham in his old age at the very time God had promised him. Abraham gave the name Isaac to the son Sarah bore him. When his son Isaac was eight days old, Abraham circumcised him as God commanded him. Abraham was a hundred years old when his son Isaac was born to him. Sarah said, God has brought me laughter and everyone who hears about this will laugh with me. And she added, who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? Yet I have borne him a son in his old age. What a delightful story. <laughs> now, what does Hebrews 11, 11 say about it? Well, here we go. We have a problem. And it's not a problem with Greek words. It's a problem of translation. What? Well, let me show you. Right. Here is the ESV. This is Hebrews 11, 11, according to the English Standard Version. By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive, even when she was past the age, since she considered him faithful who had promised. Now the ESV is a word-for-word -word translation, which means it's a bit clunky in, Egypt, in English, a bit sort of clunky, but it's accurate. So it's a word-for-word -word thing. Now the NIV is not a word-for-word. -word. It sort of uses phrases to make it a little bit more intelligible for us. But this is what the later editions of the NIV said. And by faith, even Sarah, who was past childbearing age, was enabled to bear children because she considered him faithful, who had made the promise. Well, that's essentially the same. It's essentially the same. Right, okay, no problem so far. Oh, there's going to be a problem, folks, and here it comes. Here is the New English translation. The New English translation is essentially an internet translation, and they give you exhaustive notes about why they've translated the way they have. It's very, very detailed. I've got a hard copy at home, but look at this. By faith, even though Sarah herself was barren, and he, that is Abraham, was too old, he received the ability to procreate because he regarded the one who had given the promise to be trustworthy. That's a good translation. Look at this. This is the New Revised Standard Version. Now, the New Revised Standard Version is the great-grandchild of the King James Version because you had the King James Version then the revised version, 
then the Revised Standard Version, and now we've got the New Revised Standard Version. So it's a direct line from the King James Version, if you like, authorised version. By faith, he, that is Abraham, received power of procreation, even though he was too old. And Sarah herself was married, because he considered him faithful who had promised. So there are two trans, there are four translations. Two say the faith belonged to Sarah. Two say the faith belonged to Abraham. So you could turn up at a house group and you could be studying this passage and somebody read it and somebody else says, that's not what my Bible says. Mm -hmm. No, it's, yeah, it's a problem. So what has happened here? Now, the next little bit has got a 15 certificate over it. You know when you do films? <laughs> if you have a U, universally acceptable, a 12 or a 12A, you know. But here comes a 15. You never thought you were going to get this in church. Here we go. <laughs> here we go. Why is there the problem? Well... When you come to translate the verse, Sarah is obviously the subject in, the, in, in that. Okay, the subject of the verb translated procreate or bear children. Oh, job done. It's Sarah's verse. Hang on. That's not the whole story. So it looks as if it's Sarah... But the verb refers to the male part in conception. Now, it's said that the Greeks have a word for it, and they actually do, because this verb means to deposit seed. So what we've got here is Sarah being the subject of what only a man can do. Oh. That's difficult. Now, when you read the Genesis account, and which we've read, and Sarah laughs and then lies and has fear, does that look like faith? Really? Really? Some of the ancients said, well, no, perhaps her laugh was the laugh of faith. No, 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 no. Not at, not at all. Oh, we have a problem then. And then, this is not such a strong argument. Verses 10, well, actually, it's about 8, 9, 10. And verse 12, I'm talking about Abraham, with this little verse about Sarah in the middle. Maybe, for consistency's sake, it should all be about Abraham. My problem was made worse when I look in one commentary of somebody that I trust, and he plumps for Sarah. Then I look in another commentary of someone that I trust, because they're faithful to the word of God, and he plumps for Abraham. That's helpful, isn't it? So I have to make up my mind. Where do I land? Well, folks, I've landed on Abraham. Because I think, 
and there's, there's a lot more I could say and it would get ever so technical and boring and I don't want to do that. But I, I actually think it's much more likely that Abraham is in view here, but with Sarah. So, let's have a look at a translation compromise with the new RSV. By faith, with Sarah's involvement, he received power from procreation even though he was too old because he considered him faithful of promise. I, I think, well, I can see what the translation translators were doing but with Sarah's involvement I mean, come on I mean really so this is this is what you would read in the new RSV in the latest editions trying to put Sarah up there as important but the verse actually being about Abraham well this is where I'm going to for the, the Abraham's the subject of the verb of the verbs, but we are talking about Sarah. And actually, I believe we see a wonderful journey into faith here. You know, everything these days is a journey, isn't it? We're on a journey together to get to the new building. Your, your kids are on a journey through school. If you're having medical treatment, you're, you're on a journey towards better health. Everything these days is a journey. It's a great image, actually. And actually, here, Sarah, we see on a journey. So where does she start? Well, her point of departure is unbelief. I don't think we can say anything else that when... The Lord said, you're going to have a son, and she laughed that that was anything other than a nervous, unbelieving laugh. What? Really? And when people are nervous and challenged, you can giggle. Isn't that true? Oh, yeah. It was sort of a nervous laugh. And I believe that's, that's what we had here. A sort of a nervous laugh. But the question is, had Abraham talked with Sarah about the promises God had given? Had he said to Sarah, God has promised me that we will become, I will become, and that means with you, will become a great nation and we will bless all the nations of the earth. Had Sarah being told that by Abraham. Well, if she hadn't, then hearing what the Lord said on this occasion would have been a tremendous shock and could have easily have caused that sort of giggle of unbelief and her being afraid and lying and thinking, what's going on here? But actually, I can't believe that was the case. I'm sure they would have talked. So if, if, they, if Sarah knew that God had promised that through their descendants they would become a great nation, and if Sarah, of course, realising that they were getting older by every day and therefore they could not naturally have a child, then what do you think Sarah was doing? She, well, you may have said this, Abraham may have believed it, but I'm struggling with it. 
I really am struggling with it. And of course, Abraham had tried to get round God's will by having a child with Hagar, Ishmael. And I can imagine Sarah hearing this and weighing up everything. I'm old. Abraham's old. We've lived with this for years. Nothing has happened. There's, there's Ishmael. And then this comes along. I don't know if I can cope with this. And I've got a lot of sympathy for Sarah. I really have. And she might say, well, he might believe it. And I've struggled to believe it. But I'm not sure I can. You know, there was a time when Jesus was up the, a mountain with Peter, James and John and they were seeing him glorified, usually known as the Transfiguration. They were there. While, they, while that was happening, down below in the valley, a man brought to the disciples his son who was demon-possessed. And it was a great commotion because he'd expected that the disciples should cast out the demon and it hadn't happened. And when Jesus came down with the other three, he, he walked right into this commotion. What's going on here? And the man came to Jesus and he said, I brought my son to your disciples, or to you really, and, but your disciples couldn't cast out the demon. Oh, did you know Jesus got exasperated? I'm glad he did at times, because that sort of comforts me in my exasperation. Jesus said, oh, how long am I going to put up with this unbelieving generation? Bring the boy to me. So they did and the father said, oh, you know, it throws him in the fire. It's tried to kill him. And, and if you can help, please help. Jesus replied, if you can. If I can. All things are possible to the one who believes. And what did the, what did the father say? Lord, I believe. But help my unbelief. I wonder if Sarah was in exactly that sort of position. I'd like to believe. I want to believe. I know you could. But actually, at this point, I can't. I do believe, said the man. Help me overcome my unbelief. I don't know about you, but I've been in that situation more than I could count. Lord, I believe. I, I really do believe that you, you could. You could heal. I really believe that you could solve this issue that is dogging my life and my family. I really do believe that my parents, my children, my, my brother, sister could become a Christian, could be born again, could repent and believe. I really believe that. But then I look at my inside and I think, I don't know if I can. 
I believe. And God, if I'm going to carry on believing, you've really got to help my unbelief. I think that's such a common experience. I mean, I praise God for the odd time when I've really known that God's going to do something and he's done it. And that's wonderful. But most of my ordinary, plod-along Christian life is, God, I believe, I really do. I sing the songs of declaration and faith. I read the scriptures. I see what you can do. I, I believe it. I believe it. I believe it. But in this situation, will you really come in and heal? Will you really take care of the one I'm concerned about? Will you really take care of me? Really? That's where we start. That's the beginning, I believe, of of Sarah's journey. She knew the promises of God. And I'm sure over the years, she and Abraham had talked about the promises of God. But when this was said to her, you're going to have a son this time next year, I'm coming back and there'll be a little baby boy here. That's something else. See, these are real people. These aren't, these aren't stained glass window saints. They're real. Just like you and me. So that's the point of departure. Well, how did she get to the point of faith? Now, this is reading in a little bit, but I think, I, I think what we're going to say now It's perfectly understandable from the scriptures. First, this. She had the prophetic promise. Now, I've just said, really, she said that, but the Lord added something. He said, you're going to have a son, and I think Sarah said, really, really, in herself. But then the Lord added something. One of the most profound statements in scripture that is actually repeated in different ways and was repeated in the story of of when Jesus came down the mountain. Is anything too hard for the Lord? Is there anything too hard? Sarah, listen to this. You may doubt that you'll have a son who will be born by this time next year at the appointed time that the God has given. You may doubt that. But don't think of that. Think of this. Is anything too hard for the Lord? And the answer to that is no. Is it? (laughs) Is anything too hard for the Lord? No. No. So focus on him. Focus on his power, his grace, his goodness. Because there's nothing too hard.
for him. I don't know what you're all facing at the moment. We know, we know in our church family some people are facing all sorts of problems. We've heard a little bit of something this morning, but others are facing illness and difficulty, whatever. Let me say this. I think I've gone off, but never mind. It's on. Oh, it's still working. We're nearly in stereo then, never mind. Uh, <laughs> but focus on this. Is anything too hard for the Lord? Great. Nothing is too hard for him. Focus on that. I believe that was helpful on that. Secondly, husband's help. You know, I, I, we, I laughed at the, at the, the latest RSV translation there. I mean, we, by faith, Abraham, with Sarah's co- involvement or Sarah's cooperation. I mean, come on. Abraham's not going to have a child without Sarah. And Sarah's not going to have a child without Abraham. Well, it's hope she didn't. But she, you know, you know what I mean. That's 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 just it. But it has a profound truth here. They were in it together. It need, they were. Sarah wasn't alone in believing this. Abraham wasn't alone in believing this. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> Sarah wasn't alone. They were in it together. And so are we, folks. We're in it together. As, as we look towards re- remodeling the inside of the, of the building of, the, of Five Taylor Square, and as we trust God, we're in it together. We're, oh, we're going to need all this money. Is anything too hard for the Lord? Oh, we're going to, it's going to take us all this time. What are we going to do? Is anything too hard for the Lord? We're in it together, folks. We've had the vision for a place in the town which is a resource where people can come, where they can get to know Jesus, where we can base ourselves for the preaching of the gospel where we can meet together for worship where the kids can be all sorts of things can happen we're looking to this that's our vision that's what we want to see the the building is the means it's not the end we're going to need finance we're going to need all sorts of things there's going to be people needed to look after the building we're going to have to pay people there's going to be a need for a lot of money but is anything too hard for the Lord? No! Get inspired. Don't look at the the negative. Look at the positive. Look at God. Look at his power. Look what he's done for us in the past. Look what he's doing for us now. And God will do it again. I'm getting excited here because I I believe it. I I really believe it. Yeah, I know when I'm at home and I think, and yeah, I know, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. I'm not denying that. But when, when I look at the word of God, when I look at what he's done for us, when I look at what he's doing, then I say, is anything too hard? No. And we folks are in it together. You and I, the elders, whoever, kids, workers, whatever, all of us are equally important. 
We need each other. We need each other. And together, if one of us flags in faith, we can come alongside and help that. You say, oh, I don't know. I don't know if God can do it. And somebody else would say, no, think about what God has done. And maybe you've got family issues. Maybe there are problems that exist around the place. Maybe that's what's happening. And you say, oh, I don't know. What's, what's going to happen here? We can get alongside our brothers and sisters and say, but look at what God says. Look at what God does. Look at that. It's going gonna, it's gonna to work out. I mean, folks, we've just had a bereavement in the family. But what does scripture say? Nothing, nothing can separate us from the love of God. And one of those conditions is neither life nor death can't separate us. God's able. We're in it together. Let's encourage one another along the way. And there were significant signs. I wonder, I don't know, I mean, excuse me, I'm not a woman. <laughs> I, <laughs> I, don't know what it's, what, I, I don't know what it's like to be pregnant. So, I mean, I, I, I mean... We've had two children, but thank God I wasn't the pregnant one. <laughs> you know what I mean. I, I, don't know, I don't know when Sarah would have first said, Hey, Abe, Abraham. <laughs> I think I'm pregnant. And he couldn't say, Go to, go to the chemist and get a test. <laughs> No, this is real life, folks. This is real life, isn't it? But what did she think? She thought, I think I'm pregnant. Is God beginning to fulfill his promise? Oh, I better be careful here. I'm old. That can make carrying a baby... Difficult. Oh, and then what did she feel when she began to feel that baby inside her? God is fulfilling his word. Yes, she would have had to have trusted the Lord all the way through her pregnancy. It wouldn't have been easy. It's dismissed in the story in a line. But it would have been difficult. Maybe ladies you'd say, now it's bad enough now. Think about Sarah. She would have had to have trusted. And Abraham would have had to have trusted and believed. But they would have seen all of this as signs along the way that God is fulfilling his promise and folks when you're trusting God for something look 
for little signs that God is at work. If there's an illness and there's an encouraging day, an encouraging report from the doctor, say, great. If If you're trusting that someone in your family will commit their lives to Jesus, look for little signs of openness, of positive comments. There are signs along the way. What God has said, he will do. And with Abraham and Sarah, he did it. And he will with us. What God says, he will do. So I believe there was that sort of help along the way, and we must look for that. Let's hang on to the word. Let's hang on to what... To who God is, there's nothing too hard for him. Let's encourage each other as we trust God to fulfill what we believe he said. And let's look for the signs that he's at work. So, this is a journey. She started out at unbelief. That was her point of departure. But her place of arrival is rejoicing. Look what she called the son. She gave birth, great rejoicing. They gave him the name Isaac. Now I understand that the long meaning of that, if you go right back to the Hebrew, I could be corrected on this, but the long meaning is is that God smiles on the child. But the short meaning is laughter. So you've got the sort of double meaning there. Laughter. What did Sarah do when the Lord told her she was going to have a child. She laughed. And it was a derisory, nervous, unbelieving laugh. What did she do when the child was born? She's laughing because she's rejoicing. And she gives him the name that means laughter. Wow. God has not only transferred her unbelief to belief, her fear to faith, but her derisory laughter to laughter of joy. Joy at what God has done. And actually, I believe God's got a word for some people here. If you're struggling and you're waiting and you wonder whatever's going to happen, and you get consumed with worry and fear, and you wonder if God's going to do what you believe he's going to do, then this. Young women will dance and be glad, said Jeremiah. This is when the people of uh, Israel, Judah, returned. Young men and old as well. I like that bit. Old men will dance and be glad. Uh Yeah, I like that. I will, this is God said, I will turn their mourning into gladness. I will give them comfort in joy instead of sorrow. Are you struggling today? Are you in a sense mourning? Some here are. Is there sorrow? Are there difficulties? Are there doubts? Are there fears? This is what God says to you today. I'm going to turn your mourning into gladness. 
your mourning into dancing, your mourning into comfort, your mourning into joy. I'm going to do it. Because that's who I am. And there's nothing too hard for me. Praise God. What a journey Sarah went on. And she came out the other end rejoicing in the God who is faithful in all his promises. And that's true, folks. That's true today. After tears in the night comes joy in the morning. After crucifixion comes resurrection. That's the pattern. That's it. We, we worship the God who raised our Lord Jesus from the dead. Is anything too hard for him? No. Thank you, Lord. Let's just, uh, I think we should just pray. If you, if, you, um, if you identify with anything I've said, let's, let, I'm not, I'm not going to say we'll pray for you individually, but if you identify with anything I've said, let's just stand and claim the God of resurrection. So if you want to stand, that'd be good. Yeah. Lord, we thank you that your word is true, that you are faithful in all your ways, that even if we are walking through the valley of deep darkness, you are with us. Your rod and staff, they, they comfort us. We thank you, Lord, that after, after death on the cross comes resurrection. We thank you that Jesus has destroyed every enemy and the last one to be destroyed will be death itself. And Lord, now we pray where we are facing difficulty, be the answer to our need. Where we're looking for healing, bring healing. Where there, are prob- where there are problems and things to be decided, bring clarity, Lord. Where there is a lack of hope, where there's depression, just pour in your joy, the joy that's unspeakable and full of glory. Where there is confusion and doubt and fear, God, we claim your peace that passes all human understanding. Lord, where hope seems to have gone and weakness seems to have triumphed, 
Help us to know that your grace is sufficient for every, every circumstance and that your power is made perfect in weakness. Lord, we want to, all of us, those who are standing and those who are still seated, we now want to just turn our gaze to you. And we say, there is nothing too hard for you. You can do everything, God. You can do what you like. You are the sovereign Lord of the whole universe. There is nothing too hard for you. And we claim that today. We worship you, Lord. Because you're worthy of all our praise. We worship you, Lord. Because you're at work. You've called us. You've, you said you're my child. You've called us by name. We belong to you. We worship you, Lord. Nothing's going to take away your love from us. We worship you, Lord, because eternity itself is secure in you. We worship you, Lord, because your grace, your mercy, your love, your goodness are overwhelming. They really are. We worship you because of Jesus. We worship you because of the Holy Spirit. Lord, thank you for what you've done. And we trust you for what's to come. Amen.